welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. This was such a timely episode for me to put together. It's nearing the end of summer, and my days can get a bit more relaxed in the summer, but fall is coming, and for some reason, my days seem to have more structure, and I get back into routines much more regularly than I do in the summer. I'll also be back podcasting again, and I really missed my time here with you. And I also have a really fun announcement for you at the end of the episode, so stick with me. So today we have an episode that I think will resonate well with all of us as Christian women. It's titled, Getting Things Done. We want to get things done. We want our days to be productive. Deep down, we always want to get all those items on our to-do list checked off, and that rarely happens. We may have days or seasons where we're really productive and on top of things, And then there's just other seasons where we just feel like we're trying to catch our breath and we're always behind and the to-do list is ever-growing and the deadline for things are getting missed and we may even feel overwhelmed at times. I personally am so prone to overwhelm mode, so I know it well. But I, I picked up this little booklet quite a while back. Now it's probably been two years and I don't know why, I just kind of revisited it here again. But it was from Reformation Heritage Books It's a great site. I'm going to link to it. They have a lot of helpful resources, but it was called, How Can I Feel Productive as a Mom? And it's part of their Cultivating Biblical Godliness series. And it was written by Esther Engelsma, probably totally just botched Esther's last name, but it's spelled E-N-G-E-L-S-M-A. I'll link to the booklet so you don't have to remember all this in the main show notes. But she had a section right at the beginning that I wanted to share with you all before we dig into today's episode. I could probably read it and stop here, but I won't because I have a little, quite a bit more there I'd like to share with you. So she stated, I thought that God's call to us, God's will for us, and God's purpose in creating us all centered on getting things done. They don't. God's call to you is not to get things done but to use time well. God's will for you is not to get things done, but to grow in sanctification. God's purpose in creating you is not to get things done, but to glorify Him. And she continues, Getting things done is part of using time well. Using time well is part of growing in sanctification. Growing in sanctification is part of glorifying God. And the end of all is to glorify God. The most basic tool is getting things done or productivity. The tool is meant to be used, but not idolized. It is a means. It is not an end. And because it is only a means, we will never be satisfied when we make it our end. End quote there. I want to share a little bit more from her booklet. And I'll put these quotes in the show notes so you can give them a reread and ponder them a bit more. But it's a book that I recommend you pick up. So it's just a good read and you'd be encouraged by it. But before I share this next quote, we know as Christian women and wives and mothers 
Our desire is to point others to Christ. If we have children or grandchildren, or um, I think of unbelieving family members in our lives, this is always on our mind as believers. But we can tend to get caught up in the mundane tasks and forget about Jesus as we go about our days. Esther in her booklet called it that we need to learn to take the long view of motherhood, that we need to be thinking about feeding souls. I love how she said that. And this can pertain, like I said just earlier, just a moment ago, to more than our children. It is. It's our husbands and our parents and our neighbors and our church family. And she states here, she says, but daily productivity is important to this long view because it is a tool to help you focus on and further your goal of the sanctification of your family, a goal only God can achieve, and yet a goal he has called you to work towards. She referenced Proverbs 22, 6 there. Spiritual success is never up to you, yet you must bring the gospel to your children. God is the only one who can give the fruit, yet you are called to obedience and faithfulness. Getting things done is necessary so that you can keep your eyes on eternity. It's hard to find time to talk to your children about Jesus when you've been procrastinating on other things. It's hard to be an example of devotion when you rarely put down your phone to take up a Bible. A Christian who is living in obedience to God is a Christian who gets things done because the work is given by God. End quote there. Her thoughts after this quote in her booklet went to Jesus's ministry and maybe how if if we were the ones planning out his ministry, we would have handled it differently. And I was thinking this through and I'm like, you know, I might have booked hotels um, or met with smaller crowds. Um, I probably would have turned people away and been like, hey, we need to get some things done here. And I've just been with y'all and fed you and I need to rest now. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer and Jesus was God. Could he have reached more people if he prayed less? So in, in sharing those, those thoughts there, I love this because Elizabeth Elliot shared some thoughts on this kind of thinking, and I really like this. She said, how many if-onlys, he, referring to Jesus, he must have left behind, how much more that he could have done. Still, he was able to make that amazing claim, I have finished the work you gave me to do. This was not the same as saying he had finished everything he could possibly think of to do or that he had done everything others had asked. He made no claim to have done what he wanted to do. The claim was that he had done what had been given, end quote there. Could we say, my friend, that we are doing what, or what we are doing is what's been given? Do we think that way? Does our work at times seem like we're dealing with the mundane? I do have a podcast on that one that we're missing out on the real important work the Lord has for us, the spilled milk, the appointments to run to, grocery shopping, making dinner, washing dishes, doing laundry, making beds, tidying up, cleaning, etc. This is the work the Lord has given us to do. There is nothing wrong with productivity. We need to get things done. Our families need to eat. They need clean clothes and a tidy environment to live in. We may have jobs outside the home, aging parents to care for, ministry needs in our church families. But the issue we need to remember from my quote from Esther in the beginning is that getting things done isn't the main goal. 
Our main goal is to utilize the tools the Lord has given us to push toward our ultimate goal of the salvation and sanctification of our family. And we, dear ladies who are in Christ, this is part of our sanctification too. This is part of growing us in holiness. This is part of growing us more into the likeness of Christ. So this brings us to the verse that I want to focus on in our time today. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. If we want to use our time well, God's word tells us a very key important point in these verses at the end. The days are evil. So how do we redeem the time for these evil days we live in? The world that the Apostle Paul lived in when he penned those words through the work of the Spirit in him, they were evil days. And the book of Ephesians, it's a gospel-rich book. And the first three chapters remind us of all the blessings we have in Christ. These are the indicatives, statements of truth. We've been chosen by him. We were adopted in him. We have redemption in him. We have our inheritance in him and so much more. When If you get a moment after you're done listening here to me, just read the book of Ephesians. It'll take you about 15 minutes. The Apostle Paul even prays twice. And actually, I, I have a podcast episode on praying for one another that I used his prayer there in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19, I'll link to. But he prays not just once there in that Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 19. He prays again in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, that we may know Christ more and more and have a love for him that surpasses knowledge. And now we come to the last three chapters, the imperatives. Because of what Christ has done in those first three chapters, right? Ephesians 1 through 3, the indicative, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, the indicatives. All right, now because of what Christ has done, we are now able to be obedient to the commands laid out before us in these last three chapters. We can put off, if we're in Christ, we can put off falsehood, stealing, lying, bitterness, and we can put on truth-filled speech, words that edify, kindness, compassion. The first aspect, though, of managing our time well is being known by Jesus, being in Christ. It begins with realizing we are sinners against a holy God, repenting of our sin, seeking the forgiveness from God for our sins, and turning and trusting in Jesus Christ alone as our Lord and Savior. Knowing Jesus transforms how we use our time. And the context that we talked about in those first three chapters of Ephesians, what God has done for us lays out the glory of the gospel so now we can live as citizens of heaven, of children of the King, and our lives are an outpouring now of our union with Christ. We need doctrine, ladies. We need it. We need to grasp the truths in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 to live out the verse we're working through today in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 16. Because here's the reality. You can manage your time well, whether or not you're a Christian. Before I came to Christ, remember, I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was in my mid-30s. So I managed my home pretty well. I was like a... a um, a, what would I call myself? Like a, I was a book junkie on managing my time. Well, you know, I love to read the next new book that came out on how to care for your home or how to manage your calendar, whatever it was. But it wasn't for God to be glorified. 
it was for me to be glorified and, and look good like this, you know, look all the things I'm doing. It wasn't looking toward the ultimate goal of the salvation and sanctification of our family. It was void of Christ. It was void of meaning. It was void of, void of purpose. Without Christ, those who aren't in Christ, the verse in Mark 8.36 always comes to my mind. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? As believers, there's purpose to our work. We are now equipped to spend our time wisely and enjoy God and glorify Him in all the tasks as we go about our days. Let me read our verse again. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So what does it look like to look carefully then how you walk? The verse just before our verse 15 here in Ephesians 5 in our text states, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In Christ, we are now more awake than we have ever been. We have been raised from spiritual death through faith in Him. Coming to faith is the first day of our new life in Christ. We can take off the stinky grave clothes like Lazarus because we have been called out of the grave. We live in dark times, and we need to be reminded to wake up and watch out. One commentator stated, Walk pictures our way of life, worked out in a daily step-by-step process. In Paul's day, people didn't walk for exercise. (laughs) They walked to get to a destination. So to walk spiritually pictures steady progress toward a definite goal. We've been told in the previous verses in Ephesians, if we look there from chapter um, 4, verse 1, all the way to verse 5, 14, to walk in humility and love and unity and light and separation. And now we're told also here to walk in wisdom. We're to walk or to live as the people we are. In Christ, we are wise and we should live as those who are wise. In 2 Timothy 3.15, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, And now from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 states, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Being in Christ, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in him, I'm referencing Colossians 2.3 there, are also hidden in us. And 2 Peter 1.3 tells us, His divine power has granted to us all things, that are to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We will continue to grow and mature in our walk with the Lord. None of us has arrived, but we are commanded in 2 Peter 3.18 to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know as we walk with the Lord, we will continue to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, and the other fruit of the Spirit. Think of if we lack wisdom, James tells us to ask God who gives generously. Paul prayed for the Colossians to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And a verse that we recite every week at church at the beginning of our scripture memory program, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. So in Christ, We have been given everything we need to live for Jesus and walk in wisdom. And I get it, not perfectly. We are works in progress, but as we do, we will mature and we will be more productive 
and our service to Him. It will make us wise with how we spend our time and what we spend our time on. A wise man plans, and one commentator stated it as, he marks out his course, he sets his sails, and guides the rudder until he reaches his destination. So do you, as a Christian, plan your days so you're using your time wisely? We don't know what the day holds, and the Lord appoints our portion for each day. But when we have structure and order and routine to our days, it's help in dealing with unexpected events or circumstances that pop up. I really like this. One commentator stated, a wise Christian has one eye on the clock and one eye on Christ's second coming. So moving on in our passage, verse 16 begins there in Ephesians 5, stating, making the best use of time. The phrase used here translates in the Greek as redeem or purchase. And John MacArthur in his commentary on Ephesians stated, it was used of buying a slave in order to set him free. So redemption is applied in this verse. He continues that we are to redeem, buy up all the time that we have and devote it to the Lord. The Greek is in the middle voice, indicating that we are to buy the time up for ourselves, for our own use, but in the Lord's service. I always think of Psalm 90. It reminds us, so teach us to number our days that we may get a a heart of wisdom. Or James 4.14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. None of us is promised tomorrow. I don't even know what the rest of the day holds here today. So as we walk with the Lord in the time that he has gifted us here on this earth, we need to redeem the time for his glory. We want to turn from sin and follow righteousness. We want to, as it states in Galatians 6.10, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. A wise person will be sensitive in how he uses his time. He will be disciplined in how he spends it. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, and we know time is valuable. Once it's gone, it's gone. But in the context here in this verse that the Apostle Paul, um, he's not talking about time in general like a clock, but of the opportunities the Lord places before us. We are to be actively seeking opportunities to do good. Why? Because the days are evil. So Our days aren't just numbered here. They're evil. The world, the flesh, and the devil are coming at us to hinder us from doing good. We don't always tend to fill the moments of our day thinking how we can do good and righteous things to glorify the Lord. We don't do all our work as unto the Lord without grumbling and complaining. We give in to sin. We avoid things we know we need to do. And hopefully as I'm listing this, I'm not the only one who does these things. But so in Ephesians... We already talked about the imperatives, the things we're called to do that Paul goes through in these last three chapters. We have all those put on and put off in Ephesians 4. And Martha Peace has a really excellent study on put on, put off in the back of the Excellent Wife book. If you have the book and you haven't checked out the helpful resources in the appendix, you need to check it out. But it's also this put on, put off study. It's also in PDF form online on her website, and I'll link to it in the main show notes of the blog. All right, so we have the put on, put off in Ephesians 4. 
and they help us. They help us in our family life with those people that we love the most and we're closest to with our spouses and children and then even in your work relations at your place of employment. And the Apostle Paul goes over all those in Ephesians chapter 5 and into 6. And just a side note here, I'm going to take us on a little short rabbit trail, but one I hope will benefit you. I'm in a group that's um, a group of ladies that's working through the book Maturity by Sinclair Ferguson. And in chapter 8, we work through fighting the enemy. And Mr. Ferguson was working through the text in Ephesians chapter 6 on putting on the armor of God there in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. We all know it. It's a familiar text. I'm going to quote from him and it's going to open this text up to you next time you read the book of Ephesians. He states, We engage in conflict with the devil in many contexts, but the specific context which gave rise to Paul's teaching here was his counsels on everyday domestic life. In the immediately preceding section of Ephesians, he's been discussing relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants. Why then the radical shift to spiritual warfare and armor? And he states, but perhaps it's not so radical after all. For these are mundane areas in our lives where we are often tripped up and our usefulness hindered. Most of us do not live life on a public stage, but within the context of these basic relationships. These basic relationships within which most of life is spent are really the greatest blessings we can know. That is why it's here that Satan strives to undermine the goodness of the God he hates. So we need to be on guard against him in the very context in which we want to be most comfortable and at ease, for this is where the battle is fought and either won or lost. Awareness of Satan's plans if an important is an important part of this battle. End quote there. So this is just one of those areas to dig a bit deeper when you get a moment, and it's another area where we want to be wise and be mindful that we are wrestling, we are not, I should say, wrestling against flesh and blood, but with the powers and the heavenly realms. So check that out. And I don't go on rabbit trails too often, but this was one that I really appreciated coming across. And I've never heard it taught that way before or explained that way. So it was eye-opening to me. And it is so true. Our being careful how we walk starts within the four walls of our own homes because this is where we get tripped up. It's where we spend our most time, right? It's where we sin with our words and our attitudes and our responses and the place where really we don't make the best use of our time. So... In the Apostle Paul's time, the days were evil. Persecution threatened the churches throughout the Roman Empire. The lives of those professing Christ was going to get challenging. So in these evil days, they needed to make the best use of the time while they could. And one way to do this comes in the next verse, in verse 17. They need to not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we do too. God's will isn't hidden from us. It is all throughout the scriptures. This is a good word study to go through. I'm just going to throw a couple verses here with you that lay out God's word clearly. We're to give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We are to do good works. 1 Peter 2.15. We should be sanctified and avoid sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. We could keep going here, but what I do want us to remember is the more we get to know someone, the more we know of their desires. As you spend time with the Lord and his word, and you walk with him, and you spend time in prayer, and you obey his word, and you rely at the spirit, at, at his spirit at work in you, and you remember that you've been given the mind of Christ. That's from 1 Corinthians 2.16. 
The more you know the Lord, the more you will know what his will is. Psalm 37, 4 tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God will place his desires in your heart. And the key that we want to hold on here, friend, is we want God's will, not our own. This is how we make the best use of our time. Each day, we are only given 24 hours and we we control how we spend our time. It does not control us. We don't we don't just want to live to get things done or getting the most things done. We want to get done what we should and be focused on prioritizing. As Esther stated in her book, he, she said, God planned those moments you might consider interruptions and he planned them for your good. Your children are not an interruption. They are your real work. Your husband should get your full focused attention. Spending time with our children or husband or neighbors or friends is the best way we can use our time at that moment when they are there with us. The other tasks on our list are still going to be there, right? Those dishes aren't going anywhere. That laundry's not going anywhere, whatever it may be. But that moment with that loved one will not be. So a truth that I need to remind myself often is God is sovereign not over some things or just the big things, but all things, the little things. So that traffic jam and that long line at the grocery store, I can use my time well in those moments. Instead of falling into sinful grumbling and complaining, I know that God's will for me is to give thanks in and through all things. I can thank him for the time to take a moment and be able to pray during a traffic jam or strike up a conversation and give someone a gospel track in a grocery store line or in those moments that I'm in a long line or waiting, I can work on my memory verses and work through them. Using my time well means my to-do list may be long and I can even think things like, you know, maybe if I don't just spend time with the Lord this morning and I just start my chores early, I can get more done. But in that moment... Was that really making the best use of my time? My time with the Lord equips me for the day and it prepares my heart and my mind for whatever the day holds. So if I come back to Esther's quote that we talked about at the beginning, if I choose to skip time with the Lord, it's not going to contribute to the goal of the salvation of the, I'm sorry, let me say that again, of the salvation and sanctification of my family. So in this little booklet, How can I feel productive as a mom? One of my favorite questions that we can ask ourselves whenever we're trying to decide to do what is next, and you may want to write this one down. I'll put this in the show notes. She says, what is the best use of my time now? And then she gives an even better suggestion. Turn the question into a prayer. God, what is the best use of my time right now? So it may be doing the dishes, or it may be sitting with your little ones reading a book. Or it may just be sitting with a cup of coffee, gazing out the window. I don't know what it may be, but those are that's a good prayer to, to remind ourselves of. So I'm going to get a little bit practical with you here. We walked through the biblical principles together, what it might look like to manage our time in a way that honors God. I want to share some simple tools that we can use to manage our time. And always, always, my friend, holding our days with an open hand to what the Lord might have for us. Make time with the Lord a priority. If you want to get a jump start on your mornings, go sign up for the free mini course I have. I think the whole course takes 15 minutes or less to go through, and it's free, right? But it may be a place to start if you're just 
if you're just in a place where you don't know where to start or you need a little encouragement, it, it will help you to have a structure and focus to the start of your day. Because when we start our days with the Lord and his word and prayer, it's amazing how he brings people and situations to our mind. It's usually during my quiet time with him as I'm praying for the needs of others that that person in church who could use encouragement from a phone call or a card comes to mind. It's when I'm giving thanks for my husband and all the sweet things I love about him that I'm reminded to tell him and to love him and serve him well that day. I leave my quiet time with items to add to my to-do list, but they're items that will be the priorities now for my day and they're to do good to others and to point them to Jesus. So a practical tool is keep a calendar. Make sure you put all your appointments on it and keep it updated. We use a shared family calendar so we can see where everyone is and what's coming up on it. And one habit that my husband and I have enjoyed that's been a huge help is we sit together on Sunday evenings. It takes us just a few minutes, but it's been so good. And we go over the week ahead. We work through the calendar together so we know what we have going on. And I can be aware of nights where maybe he's home late for dinner or we're having a supplier over for dinner or maybe we're even going out to dinner. Love those nights, huh? And this is when we plan hospitality on when we can bring others into our home for a meal or to meet or whatever that may be. A second area, and you know this is coming from me, is routines. Friend, set up a simple morning routine it, and maybe even an evening routine if you're able. I have several posts on all these and I'll share links in the show notes to a lot of this stuff. These show notes will be pretty packed this time, so check them out. It, it'll, they'll just, um, the post, it, it'll just give you a bit more guidance if you want to ponder through what things you'd like to accomplish early in the day and right before bed. So when I, especially I think about the night, the, um, the morning is my most favorite one, but the nighttime one just really helps me to take things off my mind before I go to bed. Um, the last one, my last kind of simple tip here is just make a simple to-do list for the day. Make your normal to-do list with your zillion tasks on it like we all do. But then I want you to take this tip, shorten it a bit, by highlighting just the top three items for the day you'd like to accomplish. It doesn't mean that you don't get to the other tasks on your list. It doesn't, that doesn't mean it. It just is a way for you to prioritize what is most important on your list that you would like to accomplish that day. So I'm sharing this, but here's the reality. You need to put together a simple system that works for you. Think it through. I'm all about simple because when I complicate things, it makes them too hard to stick to for me. So very simply, time with the Lord, keep a family calendar and keep it updated. Have at least a basic morning routine you do every morning to get your day started and keep a simple to-do list on a three by five card or a sticky note, highlighting your top three priorities for the day. And do you remember those interruptions? They are the real work the Lord has for you. God's will for us is not to get things done or be the productivity queen, but to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ. And my favorite reminder from God's word is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 to 34. I think these are some of my favorite verses and ones I come back to, I believe, probably almost on a daily basis. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I just need to deal with today. And my eyes need to be seeking the things that are above, not on earth, looking to the eternal, 
We are active participants in building God's kingdom, and this is what matters most. When your focus is correct and you're seeing clearly with your 2020 spiritual vision, you're going to be far more productive than you ever imagined because you will be focusing on what is most important, glorifying the Lord as you redeem the time by managing your days well and serving others. Because my friend, Jesus is enough always. I'm so thankful for your time today and check out those show notes for all these links we work through. If I missed one and you can't find it, shoot me a note. And here's my fun announcement. If you'd like a little more encouragement in redeeming the time and honoring the Lord as you care for your home and family, I'd like to come alongside you and do it together. If you're not familiar with or haven't heard yet of the Homemaking Matters membership community, it's really taking the Thankful Homemaker blog and podcast to a more intimate setting where we can learn us alongside one another in our own small private membership community. It's a community of Christian women desiring to grow in grace, serve their families and others well, grow in Christ-likeness, and bring honor and glory to Jesus. There are weekly live videos that are, they cover various areas each week. One is spiritually focused, one is home focused. There's coffee chats with different topics we'll talk about that are a little more relaxed setting and a devotional time. There's going to be an access to a growing library of resources, articles, and videos. Um, There's group accountability and developing good habits in our homemaking and our walk with the Lord. There'll be a Christian book club via Zoom and, and so much more, friend. The hope of the community is to encourage and equip each other to be women who love caring for their homes and families and desire to put the gospel on display. So come check it out. You can try it for one month. There's no long-term commitment. So for the cost of two cups of coffee a month, you can be encouraged to be a life giver in your home. All the details are in the show notes, or you can head directly to shop.thankfulhomemaker.com backslash matters. We'd so love to have you join us. I'm so thankful for your time today, my friend, and I pray you have a very blessed week. 